We've all seen the poster before, with Uncle Sam looking you straight in the eye, pointing his finger at you, and saying, I want you. As we know, it's a recruiting tool for the U.S. Army that is, was first used during World War I and then again in World War II. And it's an iconic effort to leverage American patriotism to encourage military service during times of war. On this Memorial Day weekend, we are all reminded of those who gave their lives in the context of war to secure our freedoms. And we are grateful to all men and women who saw Uncle Sam pointing at them saying, I want you, and took up the call to serve a purpose higher than themselves. In our psalm for this morning, we come to Psalm 110, the most quoted psalm of the New Testament. And I would invite you to open your Bibles to this text. Now, in this psalm, we have the prophetic and theological underpinnings for both the ascension of Jesus Christ and his continuing ministry of intercession. It is this psalm, above any other, that both Jesus and his apostles used to explain the continuing authority of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, after his life, death, and resurrection. In particular, we see the authority of Jesus to call forth an army to follow him into his battle against the evil forces of Satan, to wage war against sin, against the sting of death, and to establish his kingdom forever. On this day, we remember those who took up the call to serve our nation, and we are given a call as well. Not a call to a physical battle against flesh and blood, but rather a spiritual battle. A call to look to the ascended, enthroned Lord Jesus Christ and to follow after Him. Psalm 110 is recruiting every one of you to this battle. The Word of God in Psalm 110 is looking at you straight in the eye, pointing and saying, I want you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 110. A psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies, Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you on this day asking that you would bless the preaching of your word by your Spirit 
that all who hear these words might look unto the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him unto all eternity. And we pray it through his holy name. Amen. Now, in Jesus' dispute with the Pharisees, he turns to Psalm 110 to demonstrate that the coming Messiah will be greater even than King David. We read in Matthew 22, this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls the Christ Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Now, to understand this question, we need a few pieces of information. First, we need to understand that Psalm 110 was written by David, even as we read in the introduction to the psalm, a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm. Second, we must understand that there are two different lords in verse 1. The first, you will see in your text, is in all caps. And when Lord shows up in your English Bibles in all caps, the underlying Hebrew word is the covenant name of God, sometimes pronounced Yahweh or Jehovah. The second Lord, in verse 1, is not in caps. And when we see Lord not in caps, this means that Lord is referring to a king or to a master. And so in verse 1 of Psalm 110, David is saying, Yahweh said to my master, sit at my right hand. And now we are in a place to understand Jesus' question, right? How is it that David can call his son his master? If the Messiah is the son of David, how then can David call him his king. How can a father call his son his master, his lord, or his king? The answer is that the Messiah and that is spoken of in Psalm 110 is the son of David, but he is much greater than David. You see, he is more than just a physical descendant of King David. He is not less than that, but he is much more than that. For the coming Messiah will not only sit upon the throne of Jerusalem, ruling over the nation of Israel, but the coming Messiah will ascend to the very right hand of God and will be enthroned in heaven. And according to Psalm 110, he will rule over all nations. You see, he will not rule merely for 40 years, but he will rule for all eternity. This is how David can call his son his Lord. For the Messiah will ascend to the right hand of God the Father, and he will reign until he makes all of his enemies his footstool. Forty days following his resurrection, The Lord Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, displaying that he is a king that is greater than any that this world has ever known. And this Sunday, we remember 
the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, for this is Ascension Sunday. And to understand this event, the apostles themselves turned to Psalm 110. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, explains, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now Peter explains what this means. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. You see, the Apostle Peter is saying, Jesus is the Lord, and He is the Christ. He is greater even than our father David. And we must all heed the call to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as our Master, even as David submitted himself to this coming Master. For He is a King mightier than any that we have ever known. Mightier than all the rulers of the earth. For His rule will be established in Zion, but it will extend into the very ends of the earth. As the psalm says, this king will rule over the nations with a mighty scepter, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Psalm 110 says to each of us this morning, I want you. I want you, like King David, to submit yourself to this king to this Lord. I want you to join this King in His battle against the evil forces of darkness. And to join Him, you must renounce all allegiance to sin and to Satan and to the flesh. That is, you must repent. You must turn from your sin and dedicate to follow Christ as the King who is greater than any other. Verse 1 of our psalm is a promise. It's a promise to the Messiah that the Messiah will be seated at the right hand of God in power to reign as the eternal king. But verse 4 is a second promise. It is an oath that teaches us that we must follow Christ because he is not only a king greater than David, but he is a priest greater than Aaron. Look down at verse 4. There it says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now the story of Melchizedek is a bit mysterious, but it plays an important role in how we understand the ministry of Jesus Christ. In Genesis 14, Abraham encounters this man named Melchizedek. He is described as the king of the city of Salem, and he is a priest of God Most High. Now, we know little else about this man besides these facts, that he was a priest-king ruling in the city of Jerusalem, serving the one true God. And Abraham recognizes that Melchizedek serves the one true God, and he offers him a tithe, a gift. Now, Abraham's tithe to Melchizedek becomes conceptually very important for how we understand the priesthood of Jesus Christ. 
For it shows that those who would follow after the order of Melchizedek held a place of honor and respect that was higher than the priesthood established later through Abraham's offspring, the line of Aaron. You see, it was the role of the priests under the Old Covenant to represent the people to God and God to the people. The priests would establish right worship within the temple and they would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people of God. Now the book of Hebrews, looking forward through Psalm 110, affirms that this priest will come through Jesus Christ, a greater priest than Aaron. For Aaron and his line offered sacrifices that were for the people, but they were not permanent. For they were withheld from a permanent priesthood because of their sin. And the sacrifices they made were not enduring in their eternal power. But Psalm 110 affirms that Jesus Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And the book of Hebrews says, The former priests, that is the priests from the line of Aaron, were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. You see, there was weakness in the line of Aaron. For sin and death prevented them from fulfilling their priestly office. But Christ Jesus was without sin and overcame death in his resurrection. Therefore, he can represent his people perfectly and eternally. For as the greater priest, he offered up himself as the sacrifice for the sin of his people. He poured out his own blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, but his own holy, precious blood to cover over the sin of all his people. And so we must place our faith in him as a priest greater than Aaron. We must trust in his sacrifice of himself for our sin. We must trust in him alone. For Psalm 110 is saying, I want you. I want you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the greater priest, the one who offers himself so that you might be saved to the uttermost. In Psalm 110, we see that we must follow Christ because he is the greater king, greater even than David. We see that we must follow him because he is the greater priest, greater even than Aaron. And the final thing that I want you to see is that you must follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he is a greater warrior, even greater than Abraham. Now, I don't think we often imagine Abraham as a warrior. If you had to list the great warriors of the Bible, you might point to Joshua or to Samson or to King David, but not to Abraham. We tend to think of Abraham as being a bit old for such activities as battle requires, and yet 
Psalm 110's mention of Melchizedek needs to remind us of Abraham's warrior side. You see, in the time of Abraham, there was war in the land of Canaan. And Abraham's nephew, Lot, had been taken captive in the midst of a battle. And so we read of Abraham's response in Genesis 14. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan, and he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen lot with his possessions and the women and the people. You see, like a special forces unit, Abraham leads a relatively small band of men to rescue his kinsmen out of the hands of a large army. He pursued the enemy, he defeated the enemy, and he gave a tithe of the spoils to Melchizedek, the priest-king of Salem. Yet the Messiah will be a greater warrior even than victorious Abraham. For our text tells us in verses 5 through 6, if you look down there, the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. Divine protection and help is promised to the Messiah who will subdue the kings of the earth under his rule. Now, sometimes we can get a bit nervous when the Psalms get violent like this. We're not quite so comfortable with days of wrath, with countries being filled with corpses, with the shattering of chiefs. However, we might need to look at this from another perspective to get a full appreciation for the violence that we see here in Psalm 110. For I do not believe that Lot and his family had a problem with Abraham's force of arms that were used to rescue them from their captivity. Just as I don't believe the prisoners of Dachau thought that the Americans were too violent in freeing them from the Nazi concentration camp, or that the Kuwaitis thought that the U.S. used too much force to free them from Iraq. When you are oppressed, when you are trapped, your salvation depends upon a warrior who will come and will defeat your enemies. And what Psalm 110 is teaching us is that the Messiah will come and he will bring violence against all of his and our enemies that we might be freed. Through his life, death, and resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ came to defeat sin and Satan and death. And when he returns... The Word of God teaches us that He will bring violence against all the forces of evil that would hold this world captive. All injustice and brokenness will be defeated by His warrior power. And those who follow Christ will not be offended by this warfare, but rather we will rejoice that He has defeated our captors and that He has freed His people to everlasting life. 
For the violence that the Lord Jesus Christ brings is not against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle that He has fought and He has won. And therefore, we must trust our warrior king. We must follow Him as our Redeemer. The One who will free us from all the brokenness of this world. Now, I spent the majority of my elementary age years living on a military base at Fort Lewis in Washington State. And on the base, there is a statue that is called Iron Mike. You most likely have seen Iron Mike somewhere before. It depicts an infantryman with his bayoneted rifle over his head, looking back, urging his fellow troops onward. The inscription on the plinth is the motto of the U.S. Infantry, Follow Me. It is this image that comes to my mind when I read verse 3 of our psalm. If you look down at your text, there it says, Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth, will be yours. You see, the imagery that this verse is using is that of an army that will willingly and eagerly volunteer themselves to follow their priest warrior king into a holy war that he will wage against Satan. It is a picture of the church who will appear over the face of the earth as dew appears over the face of the earth in the morning. And they will be arrayed in the uniform of holiness to march into battle following after their king. And this day, the Lord is calling to each and every one of you. He is saying, I want you. He is leading his army. He is urging them, follow me. Would you not respond to this call this day? Would you not repent of your sin and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ as your King? Would you not trust in Him as the priest who offers the sacrifice on your behalf? Would you not trust Him as your Redeemer who will bring about violence against all of your captives, against your sin, and who will free you from death? For He is the King of kings, And He is the Lord of lords. And He wants you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you now at this time. Lord, and we pray that you would draw men and women and children to yourself even this day. And that your call to follow after you. Lord, the prophecy of Psalm 110, that your people will freely volunteer themselves, would come about. We pray, O God, that we would follow after your risen, ascended, and enthroned Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.